And you may be seated. Well, uh, we know the gospel choir is touring, and we're in that part of the semester where a lot of people now have Fridays off, and for some reason don't want to come to chapel, but that's all right. We can still worship together. And we're going to celebrate again today, second chapel in a row, we're going to celebrate. You have another professor who successfully defended their dissertation, so I'm going to ask this professor to stand so we can congratulate Dr. Marcus Fries for defending his dissertation. Dissertation is in math. He's a math professor, so I'm sure it was some sort of complex dissertation on division and multiplication or something like that. But uh, <laughs> Hey, why don't we do something, today since it's a smaller gathering again? Why don't we do what we did last week? Why don't you pray for each other? And the way you pray for one another is just stand up, go to them and say, I pray the peace of Christ be with you, which simply means I pray that the peace of Christ is in your home and in your life and your relationship. So please stand, go to at least two or three people you usually don't say hi to and pass the peace of Christ to them today. Thank you. Just one way that we can pray for one another as uh, we go through this weekend and begin this weekend. I was creeped out recently to a degree I have not been creeped out to ever before. I got a call from my father who was telling me about an old friend. Now, my son is now five. He just turned five, and he has a crush on a few of the female uh, students here at Eastern Nazarene College, and uh, like all of them. And uh, when I was his age, I had a crush on a girl in our youth group named Luann, and she was in high school and then went on to college and, of course, broke my heart at the age of four when she moved away. I uh, don't know why she didn't stay for me. Uh, my father really creeped me out <clears throat> when he called and said, hey, Luann's on Facebook. And I was like, oh, really? I need to like, look her up and befriend her. Uh, Luann's now 53 and a grandmother. Uh, that really has freaked me out like... I can't, even, I can't even begin to articulate how creepy I feel uh, right now. Like, she's only a few, way, few years away from getting her AARP card, which is like, you know, for those who are nearing retirement and she's a grandmother, it's just, it's bizarre. Um, and then last week I had a friend uh, uh, befriend me who I hadn't seen in probably 20 years. She was a few years older than I was at uh, teen camp, and I had a crush on her, and she broke my heart as well. Uh, but now she wants to be my friend. Uh, I, uh, <clears throat> and she was filling me in on her life a little and uh, she said we missed each other at ENC I went for a semester but left because of the hypocrisy I just I didn't like it I, nothing but hypocrites and I, re- I replied to her and responded I said well you know some of the hypocrisy still remains um, it's actually not uncommon I said but I have learned Sandy that It's really students who really do want to do the right thing and really do love the Lord. They just have some issues in life they're trying to work through and get past. And 
I'll just try to be as genuine and as honest with, I, with them as I can. And, um, but really is a great community. And her comment in that little Facebook exchange, you know, has got me thinking about um, a story about a young lady that I've written through sermons. I started it when I was a pastor, and, and the young lady's name is Grace. And um, I don't go searching to write a sermon about Grace. I, I, the way I articulate it is Grace seems to find me, and then, and then a sermon comes from it. And last year I, I shared one of those messages with you, how this young lady who had no church background, parents really from a, not a broken home, but a dysfunctional home, and really some pain and suffering from the invite of a friend at high school to go to Six Flags, uh, and then led her to go to the church and soon to come to know Christ. This incredible journey uh, is what I shared last year. But now Grace is a little further along in her journey, in her spiritual life. She's now part of the church community and has been for several months, and she's her faith is now being challenged. So I'm just going to share this little bit of Grace's life. It's not very long. And um, so as we conclude this, uh, this week and this chapel time together, uh, maybe we can learn a little bit more about Grace. Grace was frustrated by a group in the church she called the Old Hag Club. The Old Hag Club was a group of senior adult women in the church. The Old Hag sat in the first two rows on the right-hand side of the sanctuary. And though these women sat in the front of the church, that did not stop them from often turning around during the service and giving Grace, as she describes, dirty looks. Grace actually called it old hag dirty looks. She knew why they stared at her, or so she thought. A few months earlier, she heard from Ricky, a guy in the youth group, whose mom helped serve at the senior adult luncheon, that his mom heard members of the old hag club talking about Grace. Ricky's mom didn't hear the whole conversation as she was pouring their coffee, but she did hear them talking about grace and say something like, Can you believe what they wear to church? Is that what kids today call wearing their Sunday best clothes? Ricky also said he heard from his mom, who heard from her friend, the church secretary, that members of the whole hag club earlier that day spoke to their pastor about grace and other young people in the church. The old hags were volunteering in the church office, and when the pastor came back from lunch, they cornered him in his office, or at least that is the way Ricky describes it. Supposedly, they mentioned to the pastor that he should talk to some of the young people in the church on what it means to wear your Sunday best to church, to talk to them about how they should dress for church on Sunday and how they should act. Ricky didn't have all the details to give her, but he was sure that his mom was sure, that the church secretary was sure, while eavesdropping on the conversation, that she did hear them talking about Grace. When Ricky shared this with Grace, she was so hurt she wanted to cry. There were other teenagers around, so instead of crying, she said, I don't care what those old hags think. And that was the beginning of the old hags club. Grace stayed strong all night, though she was always on the verge of crying the more she thought about it. She was also embarrassed. She really liked her pastor and was saddened to think that because of her, people in the church were giving him a difficult time. She wished she had her mom or dad to talk to, but they didn't attend church, though they did come with her on Easter Sunday, and she knew they would not understand. And she did not want them thinking less of her church. She had nowhere to turn. She would have talked to her pastor or youth pastor, but was simply too embarrassed to talk about it and was not really sure what or how she should say it. She could have talked to her friend Meg, who first brought her to church, but even that would feel uncomfortable. She had nowhere to turn. So Sunday after Sunday... Grace noticed that the old hag club kept turning around, giving her looks, and that was the beginning of Grace not wanting to be part of a church community. 
This is especially sad because Grace always heard the pastor and others talk about the church being a family. In the beginning, it felt like a loving and caring family, even more than her immediate family. She liked the idea that the church is supposed to be family. The fact that she was being treated this way, however, has made her not want to be part of the church family any longer. Not wanting to be part of a church that treated her like trash and did not love and care for her. She loved Jesus. She knew that Jesus loved her. At least most of the time she believed that. Why bother coming to church if the old hags are going to make me feel so awful, Grace thought. She also saw them staring at other members of the teen group and imagined what the old hags were thinking. What are those teens doing sitting with that girl? She really believed and felt that was what they were thinking. And for the first time, Grace didn't even feel like singing in church. She usually sang out loud, clear, and always off-key. Grace and her friends loved her horrible singing, but the old hags had taken away her desire to sing praise to God. They had taken away her desire to be part of the church family. Grace was about to leave the church that Sunday morning for good. But the pastor had already stood up for the sermon, so she stayed seated. He turned to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, and mentioned that it's on page 1201 in your pew Bibles. And then he read this passage. Come to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he is precious to God who chose him. And now God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are God's holy priests who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. As the scriptures express it, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem, a chosen cornerstone, and anyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Yes, he is very precious to you who believe. But for those who reject him, the stone that was rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. And the scriptures say, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that will make them fall. They stumble because they do not listen to God's word and obey it, and so they meet the fate that has been planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you received none of God's mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Grace wasn't really listening, but something the pastor read and said caught her attention. She was intrigued about hearing that Jesus can be considered either a cornerstone or a stumbling stone in one's life. It made sense to her young faith. People reject Jesus for many reasons, and that separates them from God. And there are those, like Grace, that have accepted Jesus, and Jesus becomes the cornerstone of their lives, meaning Jesus becomes the foundation of their life. They build their lives upon Jesus, the cornerstone. She thought that was a beautiful description. She liked the thought that her life was being built upon Jesus, who is the cornerstone, the foundation stone of her life, even though she was ready to leave the church, maybe even for good. And though she still wanted to leave the church, Jesus would remain her cornerstone, or so she assumed. The pastor went on to say that for those who have Jesus as the cornerstone of their lives, they themselves are living stones, as the passage says. 
And Jesus wants to build them into a holy sanctuary. And to be built into a holy sanctuary, you must be with other precious living stones. It is a metaphor for God building his church. Building his church through a community of believers. A church is not a building, he went on to explain, but a people who have Jesus as the cornerstone of their lives. That, and then God uses their lives to build his church. And here's where Grace had trouble. Especially since she was about to stop coming to church. The pastor explained that as living precious stones, God wants to use us to build his church. We must be part of a church community. Did Grace understand him right? Was the pastor saying she was to be part of a church if Jesus was truly going to be the cornerstone of her life? She knew she heard him right. We praise God in community. We serve God in community. We are part of a community of faith, a community of faith that has Jesus as the cornerstone, as their foundation. The pastor went on to further explain some of the verses he read. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into wonderful light. She learned this Sunday that as Christians they are a royal priesthood. Which means they belong to a king. The king of heaven. And in the ancient world it was not unusual for the king to have his own priests. The priests were to offer spiritual sacrifices as mentioned. And now God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are God's holy priests who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. Grace has learned that she's part of a holy nation. God has set Christians apart to be his people, just as Israel was God's own people. And as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, they were to show others the goodness of God. And at that moment, Grace decided that was what she wanted to do with the rest of her life. She wanted to show others the goodness of God. But how does God expect the old hags to show the goodness of God when they make me feel so worthless, Grace thought. Then a question crossed Grace's mind that as she looks back now, she realizes this was a moment when God very clearly spoke to her, though she wouldn't have articulated it like that at the time. She thought, how am I showing the goodness of God when I am referring to the older women of this church as old hags, making jokes about them at youth group and telling her friends at school about the old hags in her church? She quickly realized that that didn't sound like proclaiming the goodness of God. In closing, the pastor said that all of us in the church were imperfect. All of us are sinners saved by the grace of God, and we are called to have Jesus as the foundation stone of our life. Jesus as the foundation of our lives so that God might build his church through us, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, learning to live and love one another in perfections, hypocrisy, and all, so that we might show and proclaim the goodness of God. And if we can't show the goodness of God to our church family, we have no right to proclaim and certainly cannot live out the goodness of God to those outside the walls of our church. The pastor concluded by quoting the verse previous to the ones he read at the beginning of the sermon. He explained that Peter was writing to a church that was experiencing persecution from the community, and they were experiencing persecution from their very own family members. 
many of them would soon give their lives because of their faith in Jesus. He said that Peter was reminding them and pointing them in this chapter to the fact that they must always seek Jesus and the Word of God and that they really do need one another. He read those first verses in 1 Peter 2. So get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. Don't just pretend to be good. Be done with hypocrisy and jealousy and backstabbing. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment as a baby cries for milk, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. During the closing prayer, Grace was processing all that she learned in this brief sermon. She learned that Jesus is the cornerstone of her life and that she must not look for wisdom or direction in life apart from Him. She learned that she needed to be part of a church family and that the church needed her. And Grace felt she needed to apologize to the ladies in the front rows on the right-hand side of the church. She could actually feel the hate that was growing inside her towards these women. It was because she was hurt by comments she heard secondhand and by what she took to be judgmental looks, but she still knew she needed to apologize nonetheless. So with the deep wisdom and sensitivity of a young believer, she started walking over to the older ladies during the closing song. Her friends wondered where she was going and people stared as she walked toward the front of the church. She stood behind the women during the final verse. Some of the older ladies turned and looked at her with a look of shock on their faces. The closing prayer was given and immediately Grace says, Excuse me, excuse me. Most of the church heard her, not because she was yelling, but because she started immediately after the pastor said, You are dismissed. Excuse me, excuse me, ladies. The group of ladies in the two rows, maybe they were eight to ten, many of whom were with their husbands, all turned towards her. She said, I just want to apologize. And with those simple yet powerful words, the hatred in her heart melted away, and tears started flowing down her cheeks. She started again. I just want to apologize. I want to apologize because I haven't said very nice things about you. I have called you bad names, and I'm really sorry. Please forgive me, and I'll try to dress in a way that doesn't offend you. The members of the church that could hear her were silent. Others were at a low murmur. Some of the ladies had a look of shock on their faces. Their husbands just had that dumb look on their faces that husbands often do. One or two of the ladies looked indignant, as if they deserved an apology, and that Grace better get her act together. But Grace didn't notice their looks. She knew she had to apologize and she had the peace of God knowing that she did what God had asked her to do. As she started to slide out of the aisle with her head down and tears still running down her cheeks, one woman reached across the pew and grabbed her hand. Another walked around the same pew and put her arm around her. One or two others gathered around. Then one of the women, Kate, said to her, Don't you worry about us, sweetheart. We're just a bunch of crabby old hags. Kate smiles as she says this. Grace looks up at her and lets out a laugh. Kate goes on, well, that's what we can be sometimes. What is your name, sweetheart? My name is Grace. Well, Grace, we don't mean to be old hags, at least most of us. Sometimes we just can't help it. And for some, it comes more naturally than others. We don't mean to be judgmental, though I guess that is what we are at times. We just don't always understand young people. 
And I guess that scares us a little. Like the tattoos and the piercings, we, we just don't understand. It just it looks so painful. And some of the styles of clothes, well, we really don't get that either. And it's not you, honey, it's, it's the boys. Is it really that difficult for some of the boys to pull up their pants and wear a belt? But the pastor was right, she said. The pastor was right about what Grace asked as she wiped the tears with a tissue another lady gave her. Some of us talked to the pastor about some of the concerns we had about the boys in the teen group. What they wear, what we feel is at times disrespectful to the church and to others here. We were being judgmental. The pastor talked to us for a long time and spoke a great deal about grace that maybe we should just try to understand young people better and that we can begin by extending grace and trying to get, by trying to get to know you better. He was right. And we haven't been trying to get to know you. And often we've been judgmental. Some of us were offended. How dare he ask us to be more understanding and extend grace, as if we don't do that already, we thought. But Pastor was right. So we need to ask that you forgive us. And the truth is, Grace... I need to follow your example. I have to go over to some of those boys and apologize to them. God help me. Do you think it's okay if I ask they pull up their pants after I apologize? <laughs> now, not all the members of the former old hags group agreed with Kate. But those who didn't were already walking away. Others, maybe three or four, kept Grace embraced, putting their arms around her. They too apologized with tears in their eyes. They told Grace that they loved her, and once again, she felt like she was part of a church family. Grace and the other teens rarely sit off by themselves now. That is because Kate and some of her friends have been very intentional about worshiping alongside Grace and her friends. Grace is once again singing loudly, strong, and off-key. Grace is now standing next to church family members, worshiping the Lord who is the cornerstone of their lives. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and we didn't work on them uh, planning to sing Amazing Grace today, but they had already had it planned, and I thought it not just the best way to conclude this service, but what a great song, what a great hymn, to go into the weekend with. It appears to me my friend who I mentioned um, not only left ENC, but left the church some time ago because of, at least with this brief encounter, because of hypocrisy and pain she experienced in the church. And I understand that that will continue to happen. But the church really is a bunch of precious living stones that God wants to build into his kingdom. And I hope you always want to be a part of it and not contribute to the dysfunction, not contribute to the hypocrisy, not contribute to the backstabbing, but just contribute to expressing and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So together, let us conclude this chapel in celebration and proclamation as we sing Amazing Grace together. Will you please stand?